Part Five, Chapter Nine of Home Education Series, Volume One: Home Education. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Home Education Series, Volume One: Home Education by Charlotte Mason. Part Five, Chapter Nine: The Art of Narrating. Read by Lisa A. Children narrate by nature. Narrating is an art like poetry making or painting, because it is there in every child's mind, waiting to be discovered, and is not the result of any process of disciplinary education. A creative fiat calls it forth. Let him narrate, and the child narrates fluently, copiously in ordered sequence, with fit and graphic details. With a just choice of words, without verbosity or tautology, so soon as he can speak with ease, this amazing gift with which normal children are born is allowed to lie fallow in their education. Bobby will come home with a heroic narrative of a fight he has seen between Duke and a dog in the street. It is wonderful. He has seen everything, and he tells everything with splendid vigor in the true epic vein. But so ingrained is our contempt for children that we see nothing in this but Bobby's foolish, childish way. Whereas here, if we have eyes to see and grace to build, is the ground plan of his education. Until he is six, let Bobby narrate only when and what he has a mind to. He must not be called upon to tell anything. Is this the secret of the strange long talks we watch with amusement between creatures of two and four and five? Is it possible that they narrate while they are still inarticulate, and that the other inarticulate person takes it all in? They try us, poor dear elders, and we reply, "Yes, really. Do you think so?" To the babble of those whose meaning we have no comprehension. Be this as it may, of what goes on in the dim region of under two, we have no assurance. But wait till the little fellow has words, and he will tell without end to whomsoever will listen to the tale, but for choice to his own compeers. This power should be used in their education. Let us take the goods the gods provide. When the child is six, not earlier. Let him narrate the fairy tale which has been read to him episode by episode, upon one hearing of each, the Bible tale read to him in the words of the Bible, the well-written animal story, or all about other lands from some such volume as the World at Home. The seven years old boy will have begun to read for himself, but must get most of his intellectual nutriment by ear, certainly, but read to him out of books, geography. Sketches from ancient history, Robinson Crusoe, The Pilgrim's Progress, Tanglewood Tales, Heroes of Asgard, and much of the same caliber, will occupy him until he is eight. The points to be borne in mind are that he should have no book which is not a child's classic, and that given the right book, it must not be diluted with talk or broken up with questions, but given to the boy in fit portions, as wholesome meat for his mind. In the full trust that a child's mind is able to deal with its proper food, the child of eight or nine is able to tackle the more serious material of knowledge. But our business for the moment is with what children under nine can narrate. Method of lesson: In every case, the reading should be consecutive from a well-chosen book, 
Before the reading for the day begins, the teacher should talk a little, and get the children to talk, about the last lesson, with a few words about what is to be read, in order that the children may be animated by expectation. But she should beware of explanation, and especially of forestalling the narrative. Then she may read two or three pages, enough to include an episode. After that, let her call upon the children to narrate, in turns if there be several of them. They not only narrate with spirit and accuracy, but succeed in catching the style of their author. It is not wise to tease them with corrections. They may begin with an endless chain of ands, but they soon leave this off, and their narrations become good enough in style and composition to be put in a print book. This sort of narration lesson should not occupy more than a quarter of an hour. The book should always be deeply interesting, and when the narration is over, there should be a little talk in which moral points are brought out, pictures shown to illustrate the lesson, or diagrams drawn on the blackboard. As soon as children are able to read with ease and fluency, they read their own lesson, either aloud or silently, with a view to narration. But where it is necessary to make omissions, as in the Old Testament narratives and Plutarch's lives, for example, it is better that the teacher should always read the lesson, which is to be narrated. End of Part 5, Chapter 9